You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with actor Rory Kinnear for Men. What are you doing here? How are you today? Yeah, great. Thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. Doing really well. Thank you. I'm excited to talk to you about this project here for men uh, because it's a very, very unique experience for any actor to be playing multiple roles, I feel, whether it's uh, on stage, on television, or on film. So I'm sure for you, this was uh, definitely a unique challenge. Yeah, I mean, um, unique in the number. I mean, uh, weirdly, I have played uh multiple roles in in like in the same scene a few times before uh and then immediately went off after this and did our flag means death where i, I played um twin i mean yeah twins uh twin brothers <laughs> as well so um hilarious uh, show by the way oh great thanks i'm glad you enjoyed it um it's uh so yeah i i as as weird as it was being um you know particularly in that pub scene where all well at least five of the characters were all together in the same room and having to shoot all that uh i'm aware that that is more of a sort of a, a technical challenge um but it was for me it was the, i really wanted to make sure that all these characters felt just as embedded in the into the the village and the background as as much as the sort of the the trees and the grass and the you know the deers etc um, yeah. so i wanted to uh yeah i wanted to make sure that as much as i knew they were kind of representations and archetypes when they were on the page so i wanted to make sure that they were sort of fully rounded and fleshed out human beings as well well, yeah, and I know that your background of uh, being someone who comes from the Royal Shakespeare Company and working uh, so extensively on stage, I remember when I did stage works, uh, we would have to chart all of these different uh, backgrounds for each of the characters that we were playing and kind of like write out these like mini biographies. So as I understand, you did this for each of these characters um, as well. And so I'm curious to know, like from that standpoint, what was that like? Uh, did you see it differently than any other uh, roles that you've taken on before? Or like, cause uh, I'm wondering if there was like a thing that linked all of them other than biologically them all being men. Did you like see like a thorough line in all these characters? I think they were probably all, I think there was probably a bit of loneliness to all of them. Mm. Um, and I think that probably chimed with that sense of them needing something maybe from Harper. Um, uh well you know whatever that might be um but no i mean in some ways the 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 job was was like any other in the sense that you're you're creating a character and trying to live in their shoes the only thing that was different was that you were doing it you know um playing different characters twice or three times a week um <laughs> and uh yeah i guess yeah i guess there were there were lots of sort of theater similarities alex likes to work in you know chronologically so that was an enormous help obviously um but it's certainly sort of uh was the first time i had done that on on film and it's certainly the thing i i missed working in film that sense of being able to chart the the story you know and and tell it every night uh and being being i guess unthinking about 
the way that uh, previous scenes knock into the next one and how the arc of the character is sort of ge generated by those scenes being put together. Uh, so to have that on film, albeit, you know, day to day rather than, you know, moment or, you know, night to night um, was really, really useful. And obviously it was a small cast and, um, and mainly one location. So there was lots of things that were similar to the theatre. And also when you're starting off in your theatre career, particularly doing things like Shakespeare with the n need of larger casts, you're often being required to play two or three people as well. Yep. Um, so uh, I guess that was another similarity to it. Absolutely. And I'm curious to know, because you said that, that this was shot chronologically. So specifically for that pub scene where so many of your characters are located in that single location, was it as simple as on the day you would shoot coverage for one character, go do a wardrobe change, come back as another? Or were you doing different characters, different days? Like, how did it no, work? Pretty, that pretty much, Matt. I mean, I think that, that scene was shot over maybe two and a half days and half of the day was basically sort of rehearsing it and trying to work it out. Um, and there were, you know, certain restrictions in terms of how it was going to be shot and how, you know, how far you could stray from one side of the bar to the other. Um, but by and large, you know, we rehearsed it uh, with me playing all the different parts and rehearsed it, you know, five times so that uh, we would, uh, I, I would be comfortable knowing what those characters were doing. And then we had stand-ins observing that who would then, you know, do that whilst I played one of the other characters um, and they had, you know, learned their lines. So they were, you know, playing the parts. And so Jesse was acting with them rather than necessarily with me at that point. Mm -hmm. Um and yeah and then yeah one day i think i was three of the characters and another day i was two of the characters um uh and yeah interesting to sort of a keep your wits about you and make sure one character doesn't bleed into the other um and uh useful to re you realize that you had you know done that biography work beforehand and done the work with with you know hair and makeup and costume to make sure that you felt comfortable within those people because you know certainly with say the landlord i think i, I was only him for like two or three hours so um uh, you had to make sure you sort of hit the ground running with them uh because you didn't want them to necessarily stand out as being uh, less um uh less credible than others uh and um yeah i think also we would just uh yeah, we, we, we would have to make sure that um, we were getting all the coverage and obviously a lot of that was about angles and about um, you know, making sure you you didn't go from one side to the other. But uh, in, in many ways, it was kind of, um, it was easier for me, I think, rather than necessarily for Jesse, who was having to get her head around these, these people constantly changing who was playing them. Yeah. I understand, obviously, that you have had experience working in big budget films that use a lot of practical and CGI. Of course, I'm referring to the James Bond films. However, your character of Bill Tanner is, for the most part, usually sitting behind a desk uh, most of the time in those movies. However, in Men, you have a couple of scenes where you are dealing with a combination of practical and CGI effects. One, one uh, gross... <laughs> <laughs> gory thing in particular that I don't want to reveal here necessarily in the third act that I just found to be so amusing. I was wondering how much of that was practical versus how much of it was actual CGI enhancement and what that experience was like working uh, with that for you. Um, you know, all things relative, but it was, it was quite cold and uncomfortable. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, I would say 
uh, yeah, there was certainly a degree of uh, me having to use my imagination as to how this was going to uh, turn out uh, so that I could sort of offer up what I hoped might be useful. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, equally, they built these sort of weird uh, <laughs> models and prosthetics that I would have to emerge from um and by and large absolutely covered in goo and sort of mushed banana and um and it was the middle of the night in an unseasonably cold april uh and you did that for like seven or eight days so you can imagine it wasn't necessarily that <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily race back for men too if that was going to be the uh um opening gambit of a, of a sequel um but uh but and, and the first night when I was playing that green man figure, um, so you'd have to, you know, I think it was about a seven and a half hour makeup. So you'd, you know, have to be in about one, and then you wouldn't really be on on set and be able to shoot until about nine. And then, um, and then, yeah, I was sort of having to, I was well, not having to, but I was choosing to vocalize all these births as well. And obviously, you know, we, we don't use that in the in the film after. We use the sort of soundtrack of, of Jesse and her screams, but mm. uh, I was having to vocalise. So, in the middle of this field, in you know three o'clock in the morning, in the Cotswolds, you wake up all the neighbouring livestock. So there was this sort of call and response that I had with various sheep and cows uh, in various fields around, as I myself was sort of lowing, um, giving birth to this uh, <laughs> this green. <laughs> and uh, and Jesse and I, we got very well, and we had. Um, we had occasional trouble trying to keep it together with a straight face. Uh, but I think we sort of knew that night if we began to take it, uh, if we didn't take it seriously or if we began to find it funny, we would never be able to get it back. So, um, so we held on tight to each other. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. History is complicated. The story of human progress is long, messy, and riddled with controversies big and small. On Conflicted, we dive headfirst into history's most infamous events and contentious figures. We try and untangle the good from the bad, the fact from the fiction, and the monsters from the misunderstood. Was Genghis Khan a murderous butcher or a civic pioneer? Did the Allied powers go too far in firebombing the German city of Dresden at the twilight of World War II? And how did the Marquis de Sade acquire such a sinister reputation? And was any of it true? These are just a few of the tough questions we wrestle with and investigate on Conflicted. So if you love history or just enjoy a good story, please join me, your host, Zach Cornwell, for a fascinating new topic each and every month. Conflicted, a history podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, 
or wherever else you get your podcasts. I hope to see you soon. I'm glad that you mentioned uh, a little bit of humor on set there between you and Jesse, because I do think that your scenes as uh, the owner of the holiday house that Harper is uh, renting, it adds so much levity to such a depressing and dark film at times. I was very taken aback by how much I laughed uh, during this movie, thanks to your uh, performance. Was that something that was always on the page or is that something through your development of the character you and Alex uh, worked into the screenplay more? Um, I think there was quite a lot sort of on the day that I would offer up as Jeffrey. And and I think he was, um, you know, his kind of slights or anything that you might find slightly uncomfortable about him. He is essentially, I think, I mean, obviously until the end, but when we meet him, he's essentially a sort of a benign figure, albeit... Mm-hmm. Um, maybe hamstrung by a sense of tradition or the way things should be done and the way the way men and women should interact with each other. Um, but I don't think she feels any necessary threat from him uh, to begin with. Um, and it was interesting just in terms of coming onto set each day. Uh, people treated me completely differently and I, I wasn't staying in character between, you know, between takes or scenes. I was, I was Rory, but um, people treated me completely differently depending on, who I turned up as, um, and Je- when Jeffrey was around, it was it was sort of party time. Uh, everyone, everyone was thrilled to see him, um, and everyone sort of sort of found him funny and and uh, and loved him. Uh, whereas you know I turn up as the as the vicar, and people would sort of shun me all day. And I have to remind them that you know it is still me here. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, I guess on the on the day. Uh, Alex was always sort of up for you know uh, any offerings that um, one might come up with, and I think probably with Jeffrey and knowing that it was sort of the beginning of the film and that you wanted to make sure that there was some levity there as well. Which character would you say was the most fun to play, and which character would you say was the most challenging? Um, probably challenging the ones you spend least time with, just because you know it's it's become so much easier to play someone when you. Uh, when you've spent more time as them. Um, so, you know, I got to spend most time as Jeffrey. So in some ways he was not only the easiest, but he was the one that, um, it was the one that, yeah, I knew, I knew best by the end of the shoot. Um, so, uh, I guess that answers both of them. Sure. Yeah. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I believe there is some CGI enhancement being done on your face to de-age you. Am I, am I correct in saying that? As the little boy, yeah. Yes. So yeah. what was that experience like uh, seeing your face on screen <laughs> with those de-aging effects? Uh, yeah, I mean, um, uh, so yeah, there was a, 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 I would rehearse the scene with, with Jesse um, uh, as the boy and then very sweet uh, young chap would then uh, do what I was doing in that rehearsal. But inevitably, you know, slightly differently. And so then I would, um, after he'd had, after he'd been filmed, I would then have to try and recreate basically what his head did. Uh, so uh, depending on where he, uh, where his head was pointed, or you know, at what height he was. So particularly, I mean, like in the church, it was probably easier because you would mainly just sat down on those steps, um, and then you could sort of hide yourself away under the mask when he gets up. Um, but when we were in the we're in the kitchen at the end and he's sort of walking towards her as she's holding the knife out of him 
I had to obviously um, get down at, at his level. So they sort of gave me this sort of wheelie stool that I would push myself along with as I as I walked towards her. So, um, yeah, I mean, that, that couldn't have felt more uh, more unlike what you were supposed to be <laughs> achieving. Um, but it's amazing when you see it all put together. Um, and so, you know, it wasn't just the fact that my, my face looked younger. It was my face was on this boy's body as well. Uh, and that it seemed to actually work. That's what one couldn't believe. Yeah, no, it definitely did. I remember at one point during the movie, I leaned over to my friend and I was like, I think they're all played by Rory. And then like a few <laughs> a few minutes later, I leaned back over again and I'm like, oh, my God, they're all played by Rory. <laughs> so <laughs> even though they're all very different in their. Uh, physical stature, their personalities, their look. It, you had me fooled early on. I did an interview today in which uh, one of the journalists, uh, when, they, when they'd seen a screening of it over here in the UK, she had lent to her friend at the, the, the shot of the deer corpse in the woods, and she'd lent over and said, is that him too? <laughs> <laughs> hey, you never know. <laughs> in this film, you never know. Uh, uh, last question, slightly off topic here, but... I would like to know, um, you know, No Time to Die uh, put an end to the Daniel Craig uh, era as James Bond here. However, there's been a precedent set with uh, Judy Dench, you know, going from one set of Bond films to another, even when they change actors. Has there been any discussion about uh, you, Rafe, Naomi, or anybody like kind of carrying over to the next set? And is that something that you would be open to do if asked? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's always good fun. I mean, they're great fun to do. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's really, really entertaining, fun stuff to be a part of. And obviously having done, uh, four of them now, um, while it feels quite fun to slip back into a character that you know so well, um, uh, and obviously we, uh, Daniel, Ben, Rafe, Naomi and I all get on very well and we all, all know each other quite well. We knew each other before. So it was sort of a, a nice reunion to be on set. Um, but uh, yeah, they. I never know. I've never known from film to film whether I'm going to be in the next one. So in many ways, it's it's no different um, yeah. at the moment. Uh, and yeah, whilst you know you can fully understand, they might want to keep that sense of um, continuity. But I also could completely understand if they decide to make a whole new whole new chapter so uh no we'll wait and find out all right and you know what this, this is the last one i apologize it's very short though uh you've played obviously so many characters in this movie uh i'm curious to know is there any type of character that you have not played yet that you're like chomping at the bits oh i hope this role comes around um at some point or another that you can play is it a james bond villain like what would it be <laughs> <laughs> uh i don't know i mean like uh, I guess probably on stage, I've still got a few sort of ambitions, but I, I don't like to say them just because, um, because then maybe the director will come to you and say, well, let's do it. And uh, I'll think of what it, the play means to me afterwards, as soon as you've said yes. Mm. Um, and whereas I, I sort of, I guess, with both uh, with film and TV and theatre, you want it to start with the director or the writer, people whose vision is going to be, you know, the whole thing is going to be. And, and don't don't mean to underestimate uh, my profession, but we are sort of the last piece of the puzzle. Um, and uh, as as delicious cherries we might be, we are sort of the cherry on the cake. Um, uh, so I want to make sure that uh, yeah, that it means something to to the originators of the idea rather than just me me saying I want to do this and someone saying oh, all right. <laughs> 
I hear you. Well, Rory, I really appreciate you taking the time here to talk about this. It was a very, very ambitious uh, project and one that I know from everyone that has seen the film is greatly appreciating your work on. And how could they not? Uh, You're funny. You're terrifying. You basically run all the gamut of emotions here uh, through all the different men that you play in men. So I thank you very, very much here for taking the time to talk about it with me. Uh, Thank you very much, Matt. Cheers. Absolutely. Have a good rest of your day. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with Rory Kinnear from Men here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Men is currently playing in theaters from A24. You will be listening to the Next Best Picture podcast and we are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening as always, and we shall see you all next time. Hello, this is Gary Chachot welcoming you to check out the French History Podcast. Our main show covers the history of France from the first humans until present. If you liked Mike Duncan's The History of Rome and wanted a similar program covering the land of beauty, culture, and love, we are exactly that. We also host world-renowned scholars who have delivered guest episodes on their specialties, including 18th century pirates, revolutionary booksellers in 20th century Paris, the special friendship between the Marquis de Lafayette and Thomas Jefferson, and numerous others. Learn what you love and listen to the French History Podcast today.